The following sermon was delivered on Sunday, November 14th, 2021, at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Andover by the Reverend Fred Small. The title of the sermon is How to Love This World. Here begins the sermon. Though it was only the first week of June, the sun burnt fierce in the noon sky as the temperature blazed into the 90s. 2,000 of us marched down a narrow Minnesota highway, barely 100 miles from the Canadian border, to stop Line 3, the tar sands oil pipeline violating indigenous treaty rights and menacing both the global climate and the health, safety, and sacred traditions of the Anishinaabe people in its path. I followed the first wave of indigenous water protectors as they stepped off the boiling asphalt and descended into the muddy headwaters of the Mississippi River. Ignoring the no trespassing signs, we slogged a hundred yards through mud tug tugging at our ankles to a wooden platform where we would establish campfire light, a nonviolent occupation of the property of the Enbridge Corporation. Noticing my clerical collar, an Anishinaabe elder called out, do you feel baptized, Father? I did. I traveled to Minnesota not simply to make a political statement. I went there on pilgrimage as an act of devotion and atonement. My ancestors were colonizers as far back as the Mayflower. While I am not responsible for their wars against native people and their theft of native lands, I benefit from these crimes in countless ways every day. I cannot change the past, but I can demand justice in the present. As an environmental activist who is also a person of faith, I turn more and more to indigenous wisdom and spirituality for guidance. Immersing myself in the headwaters of the Mississippi, I felt powerfully the interconnection of all things, the river and the sky, the two-legged, the four-legged, the winged, the finned, and everything green. Of course, we didn't stop line three. Oil began to flow through it over a month ago. It's been a tough year for those of us who care about climate justice and racial justice and public health and democracy. While Trump supporters continue to propagate the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen from him, GOP controlled states enact voting restrictions with the stench of Jim Crow. After momentary relief that the worst of the pandemic might be behind us, the Delta variant comes roaring. Climate initiatives, what the Siam packs Senator Joe Manchin, who seems more concerned about protecting the fossil fuel industry than about the future of West Virginians. According to the latest report of the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released last August, global warming is widespread, rapid, and intensifying. Some damage is already, for all practical purposes, irreversible. The poorest and most vulnerable people on the planet will suffer most. Reviewing the report, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres declared a code red for humanity. But the inertia, 
of economies, governments, societies, and individuals is powerful. The news from COP26 in Glasgow is not good, filled with promises inadequate even if kept, and mostly empty of accountability. Given these cascading crises, it's not surprising that many of us fall prey to despair, depression, and hopelessness. To survive, we have to acknowledge the severity of the threats confronting us and, and, and to feel all the feelings, all the feelings that well up within us. But acknowledging feelings of impending doom is one thing. Trafficking in doomism is another. Doomism the morbid, lurid wallowing in worst-case scenarios while dismissing movements for change as futile and naive. Doomism is on the rise. The brilliant London-based economist Umer Haq, sometimes called the master of catastrophe, churns out weekly screeds with titles like the future is here and it's made of apocalypse. If it feels like hell on earth is descending, that's because it is. Does humanity deserve to survive? America is a smoking fascist dystopia. And it's not that I'm negative, we really are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago, The New Yorker published an essay by novelist Jonathan Franzen, not known for his groundbreaking climate science research. The essay was titled, What If We Stop Pretending the Climate Apocalypse is Coming? To prepare for it, we need to admit that we cannot prevent it. Guy McPherson, a retired ecology professor, has gone so far off the doomest deep end that he endorsed a climate denier for president in 2016. Donald Trump, he proclaimed, is another manifestation of the cleansing fire. He has secured my vote to quicken the demise, sparking the flame. While scientists point out that doomists often distort the science, maximizing predictions of climate disaster just as denialists minimize them. My arguments against doomism are practical and spiritual. And what good, after all, is an impractical spirituality? As a practical matter, of course, giving up by definition eliminates any chance of success. As climate scientist Michael Mann points out, if you take the most environmentally aware progressives, lead them to despair and convince them to dissociate from civilization, they're not out there on the front lines participating in the political process, demonstrating and fighting for the needed systemic changes. Dr. Elizabeth Sawin, co-founder of Climate Interactive, reminds us that every fraction of a degree of temperature rise averted is suffering averted. Just because you can't stop all suffering is not a reason to not prevent what suffering you can. There are tipping points in the human heart, she says. Tipping points in the human heart and the collective consciousness that could be just as sudden and big as any in the earth system. 
I remember a story from my childhood about two frogs who fall into a bucket of cream. The sides of the bucket are steep and slippery, and no matter how they try, the frogs cannot climb out. They kick and kick to stay afloat, but as hours pass, they grow exhausted. We're doomed. One of them gasps and slips beneath the surface for the last time. The other one keeps on kicking through the long night. And by morning, all that kicking has churned the cream into butter, which provides a foothold for the frog to climb out of the bucket. The frog who died did not die from drowning. That frog died from loss of hope. Simply by persisting, the surviving frog remained open to unimagined possibility. Spiritually, if we give up, we forfeit our integrity. Our lives are drained of meaning and purpose. When we abandon hope, we betray both our ancestors and our descendants. Hope is different from optimism. Optimism is an ex expectation that things will turn out all right. Hope perseveres regardless. Václav Havel, the playwright who became the first president of the Czech Republic, called hope an orientation of the spirit, an orientation of the heart. It transcends the world that is immediately experienced and is anchored somewhere beyond its horizons. Hope, Havel said, is an ability to work for something because it is good, not just because it stands a chance to succeed. Professor Cornell West, formerly of Harvard Divinity School, now of Union Theological Seminary, says, optimism for me has never been an option because there's too much suffering in the world. Think of all the African bones and bodies at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean with the slave trade. But hope, hope is something else, you see, because hope is not spectatorial. It's participatory. You're already in the mess. You're in the funk. What are you going to do? Hope is a verb, says Professor West. Hope is a verb as much as a virtue. Hope is something that you find in your immersion. And you decide, you decide you're going to fight till the end. No matter what. Rebecca Solnit, who studies how people respond to natural disaster, puts it this way. Hope is not a lottery ticket you can sit on the sofa and clutch feeling lucky. It's an ax, an ax you break down doors with in an emergency. To hope is to give yourself to the future. And that commitment to the future is what makes the present inhabitable. 
from the coronavirus to the ecological crisis, from structural racism to rising authoritarianism, the obstacles before us can feel overwhelming. And it's hard to know what to do or even where to begin. Lately, I've found comfort and strength in the maxim, do the next right thing. The origins of the saying are obscure, but it has emerged as wisdom for our times. Do the next right thing. I love its immediacy, its, its concreteness. Do the next right thing. Whatever happens, no matter how dispirited or disoriented I may be, I can do the next right thing. Even if it's just dragging myself out of bed in the morning. Or, for that matter, deciding to stay in bed and get some rest. <laughs> or planting a garden. Or leading a movement. Massachusetts Interfaith Power and Light has spent most of the last two decades providing conservation expertise and renewable energy services to houses of worship. And we're good at it, but we know it's not enough. Greening our congregations, however important, does not adequately confront the climate crisis, nor does it address the systemic injustice that undergirds it. While continuing our con conservation work, Mass IPL is launching a faith in action campaign to organize people of faith as an irresistible force for climate and environmental justice. Our dream is to convene a faith in action team covering every one of the 160 legislative districts in the Commonwealth to hold our legislators accountable for their votes and follow through on Beacon Hill. If you'd like to learn more, please sign up on one of the clipboards after worship there in the, in the back of the sanctuary there. Or you can go to massipl.org, M-A-S-S-I-P-L.org slash mobilize. Now, whatever we do, we can't do it all. We have to choose how to spend our time, where to concentrate our attention, where to invest our energy. And since everything is connected, every next right thing we do advances the whole. I am primarily, though not exclusively, a climate justice activist. If you work primarily for immigrant justice or voting justice or racial justice or LGBTQ justice or indigenous justice or reproductive justice, you do that work for me as well as I do my climate justice work for you. Lifting up the interconnections among all these issues in a diverse and complex and powerful ecosystem of justice making. Whatever the future holds for us, you and I, each and every one of us, will always have the power of choice the power that Viktor Frankl, even among the horrors of Auschwitz, called the last of the human freedoms, which can never be taken from us, the power to choose one's attitude, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way.
Instead of bemoaning our fate to be born into these terrible times, we could embrace the opportunity to face challenges unprecedented in human history with courage, creativity, determination, and devotion. We are exactly the right people for the tasks placed before us. We were made for these times, says Clarissa Pincola Estes. For years, we have been learning, practicing, been in training for, and just waiting to meet on this exact plane of engagement. We have been in training for a time such as this since the day we assented to come to earth. David shared a poem from the late Mary Oliver. In another poem, she wrote, there is only one question. Now, her one question is not, will the polar ice caps melt? It's not, will nations stand or fall? It's not, how will we survive? For Oliver, the only question is, how to love this world. How to love this world. In a prayer circle at LaSalle Lake in Minnesota, the morning of the Line 3 protest, I listened to Ojibwe elder Mary Lyons, who survived a painful childhood, racism, and alcoholism to become a revered leader of her people and a champion for environmental justice. When I needed to hear a mother's voice, Mary Lyons says, hazel white hair, my beloved aunt told me this, we are blessed. We are blessed to have this journey. We are blessed to take each step on these paths. We were gifted with strength like no other. We have to pave a path for the nations yet to come. Life is good today. Life is good today. Amen.